I've said I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I'm joined by Leonora Cavota. Hello, Leonora. Are you having trouble pronouncing my name? No. <laughs> good. No. Good. Well, no. good. Good morning, Scott. Well, we're um, coming to you, um, you know, after hearing some very sad news. Yeah. Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was shot dead while he was speaking in Nara at a campaign event. He's a, form, he's a former prime minister. He'd, he had stepped down because of health reasons. One I'm of a, President Trump's closest allies. Yes, exactly. And, you know, that was my first thought when I heard that because yeah. I was actually recently reading a book that I'm doing a review about. Must have been a libtard that shot him. Yeah. And one of the things that came up is like people were criticizing Trump for was how he handled, um, you know, uh, fishing with him or something, you know, and I, so his mom, he was in my mind in the last few days, uh, Prime Minister Abe. And so I'm going to read to our listeners uh, the uh, social media message that pre- uh, that President Donald Trump put out. Let's hear it. Okay. Really bad news and bad news is all in caps I'm sorry, really bad news for the world, and bad news for the world is all in caps. Former Japanese Prime Minister Shinsu Abe is dead. He was assassinated. His killer was captured and will hopefully be dealt with swiftly and harshly. Few people knew what a great man and leader Shinsu Abe was, but history will teach them and be kind. He was a unifier like no other, but above all, he was a man who loved and cherished his magnificent country, Japan. Shinsu Abe will be greatly missed. There will never be another like him, President Donald J. Trump. And where was he from? Um, or where was he shot? He was shot in Nara, and I and you I, actually I think, have a connection with. Yeah, Nara. I will. Um, I have a. There's a. I guess you would call it, describe this person as having had a connection to my family, um, and so I was on a vacation in Japan, and the person was from Nara. So we, while I was on the trip to Japan, I was in Tokyo, and I was in Nagoya, which and Hiroshima, you know, and uh, some of the major places that you go. Hiroshima. Uh, yeah, I was there, you know, I was seeing the sites there, you know, the sites that you go to when you're, you know, going to do tourist things. But I ended up having dinner in Nara because this person was from there. And so I, w- I was briefly there for a few hours. So that's where he was shot. 
Um, so yeah, he wow. was very well loved. You were also in um, the place where they had the Olympics. Uh, what was the name? No, of the I, I was no, I wasn't uh, there. I what just, was the name of that place? Though? Um, the uh, Olympics. No, I'm forgetting where it was, but yeah, I was not the there. With a K. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I was not there, but I knew somebody who was there. You know, I want to go to Japan so bad. No, we should, you know, you know we, we should would plan love to a go trip. To Japan. We should definitely plan a trip. I hear Tokyo is really expensive. Tokyo is really expensive. And my recollection, again, my, my visit there was a really long time ago, was at the time, and I was living in Manhattan at the time I went to Tokyo. Tokyo seemed even more expensive than Manhattan. I like Tokyo, but I really like Nagoya. Nagoya. Nagoya is what you imagine Japan to be with the temples and the gardens. Tokyo is more of your big city. And yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's definitely exciting. And you see the palace and everything. But it's. But I really like Nagoya. But again, this is very sad news for the for the world. You know, particularly as people, you know, on you know our side of the <clears throat> world, you know, were going to bed. They heard that he had been shot. And I did. Was, I heard that. Yeah. yeah, and there was speculations about you know whether he would make it, whether he was make it. But to wake up in the middle of the night and he hear that he hadn't, you know, I think sent shockwaves to a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. But if you look at the video as you and I have done, it's you know it's shocking. And the fact is that they brought brought this up about the shooter. He he, he didn't like him. He he didn't like him. He <laughs> said I'm dissatisfied with him. And this is you know some of yeah. the Japanese people and the way they communicate is very underplayed. So and again this could have been translated. We don't really know you know all the details of how uh, you know exactly the tone and the way in which he said it. But they said that he got to a very close range and was able to make the shot, which was. You know, again, you think about the security of our leaders when you see something like this happen, or our retired leaders in this case. And so, it's it, you know, it's, it's shocking and horrifying. And you know, world leaders, in addition to former President Trump and others, have come out and spoken in uh, you know in total respect uh, for uh, former Prime Minister Abe. And so, it's it's a shocking thing to hear. You know, yeah, it's a uh, sad news. That's hear. really sad news. And and. Uh, Man, what is going on with our world? You know, we have to, we have to do better. Um, so yesterday we were talking quite a bit about globalism, and you know, Tucker actually was talking about food shortages uh, two days ago. Yesterday he was talking about uh, that that uh, Jose Alba, mm-hmm. the, the guy from the bodega. Yeah, and um, I saw that footage of the guy from the bodega. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that guy must have been military trained because <clears throat> what he did was so perfect. And what the DA and New York did to this guy is so imperfect. Yeah. And uh, the authorities gave him a $250,000 bail. Yeah. So he couldn't leave jail, Rikers Island, yeah. where you don't make it if you kill a black dude. And uh, he stabbed the black dude with a knife. So it turns out that this uh, woman who was on, uh, who was dating this black guy, Mm -hmm. uh, was on food stamps or something like EBT, whatever. Right. uh, Can't afford a bag of potato chips. So what do they do? (laughs) They just decide to strong arm the the clerk. Strong arm the clerk, you know. And boom, they 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 go they go for his jugular. so they go and they strong arm him, and he apparently had a knife uh, stashed. And what he did was when he was shoved and he was he sat down. If you look at that video, man, it's unbelievable. But yeah, I commend the guy. 
<clears throat> completely. And he sit, kind of sat down. He was going to get up. You could, you could almost see he was going to make a move, right? And he realized, no, not, now's not the time I make my move. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, he thought he was going to get punched. Yeah. Uh, you know, he just knew it. So when he finally got up, he had a knife. Yeah. And he grabs the knife and uh, he does one to the gut and one to the neck. And the way his left arm mm-hmm. was using to grab the guy's shirt mm-hmm. and block the guy, it, it's an absolute perfect move for when you block somebody. Yeah. And if you want to know how to defend yourself with a knife or defend yourself at all, uh, the way that uh, older guy did it was perfect. And uh, I, I guarantee you he has some military training somewhere. Um, <clears throat> I was very impressed by that. They lowered his bail to 50000 He's now home. Well, thank but heavens. But he, he, he has to cancel a trip to the Dominican Republic. And all for what? Because this woman wanted a bag of potato chips? Just ask that he probably... You know what? If she wanted the bag of potato chips so badly and she was good, they were going to menace him, they would have given, given her the bag of potato chips. You don't do that to no, somebody. You, you know, and you know what? You don't get the bag of potato chips. <laughs> but we're seeing video after video after video of people that um, are just unruly. You know, and a lot of this is driven by this... Most of these videos are, and I I hate to say it, but they're they're mostly black people. Yeah. So there's this woman, Brittany Griner. Yeah. Um. And and by the way, the person who tweeted this out was a guy named Errol Weber, a black man himself. Yeah. And um, what does it say about him? Documentary film producer, right? Director of photography, cinematography, Oscar winning. Okay, so this Errol Weber says. Brittany, Brittany, Grimer, uh, Brittany Griner actively refused to uh, be present during the playing of the U.S. National Anthem before games and even demanded that the anthem and flag ceremony be avoided in all games. I wonder what it feels like now that her, uh, now with her begging with red, white, and blue to come to her rescue. And basically what happened was she got busted in Russia yeah. for uh, drug charges. And she, she pleaded, pled guilty. I said, ha-ha. I said, I, I retweeted, I retweeted, I said, I retweeted Errol Weber's tweet, which I thought was great. And I said, Democrat cuck slave turned drughead Brittany Griner because she's dre- she's dressed in a basketball uniform. Yeah, she's a basketball superstar of some sort. Yeah, but she's over there in Russia doing drugs, trashing America. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so sick and tired of this, right? And this mm-hmm. is typical black liberal, right? Brittany Grimer, who is endorsed by Black Lives Matter, Marxist morons, pled guilty to drug charges in Russia. How do you really feel, Scott? Yeah. Good to good on Russia for asking trash. Uh, for for taking the trash off the street, you know Russia seems to be the only country with a compass right now. Yeah, Russia, and they're the ones being attacked at every quarter. And Putin gave a statement yesterday, and he said, "You haven't seen anything yet. We haven't yeah. even started." Yeah. So you know, <laughs> this is this is child's play, and yet seven hundred um, Zelensky wants seven hundred fifty million. Uh, no, seven hundred fifty billion more dollars. 
Do you know that that is the biggest money laundering operation? It's 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 so it, ridiculous. It is. And this is this is all the face, and the, this is the pivot. So when uh, of uh, globalism, and when we hear uh, Biden talking about this, you know, God willing, the new world order, and if we could just make it through this transition, this is going to be a tough road to hell. I've come up with the conclusion that uh, it's going to be Gavin Newsom. Yeah. And oh, you mean the, the candidate? <clears throat> yeah. No, I, I've been I've been hearing that too. No, but you know the thing is, I think that I think that uh, this is pure speculation on my part, but I definitely think that uh, this wasn't by mistake. Yeah, this was not by mistake. I definitely know that part. Yeah, you don't screw up like they're screwing up, and it's by mistake. This is not by mistake. This is right. uh, <clears throat> a willful intent. This is an act of aggression against the United States of America. And they're doing it legally. And they are crushing our country. And this is this is sad news for me. This is sad. And um, let's see. I, I tweeted something about this. But, you know, the thing is, is that, is that um, what they're doing is they're going after it. And they know, they knew that he had one term in him mm-hmm. physically. Yeah. They knew it. So what he did was I think that Biden took it on the chin and basically has screwed up everything so bad to destroy America, to rebuild it in the fashion that they see fit. Mm-hmm. Now that they've figured out how to rig elections that there's no chance for them to lose because they've rigged elections. There's not any human being on the planet that I could... Well, then again, we know people, right? That, you know, how many people here support Joe Biden? And they raise their hand. They literally raise their hand in public. But I don't understand that. But, you know, opening the borders and and, uh, raising the inflation and the foreign policy blunders, I don't know how you could look at this as anything but willful destruction you know ending fossil fuel leases uh, making us energy dependent all all of this is got to be by design and i think that what they've determined i I don't think it's going to be a surprise to joe biden at all no that number one they're getting as much as they can in his first two years and they're going to keep him along and then they're going to lose the the house and senate and after the they lose the house and senate the Democrat Party is going to have an excuse. The Democrat Party is going to have an excuse to say, you know, we didn't perform that well. Now, if they do perform well, that's going to be a shocker, too. But they're not going to perform well. They're going to lose the House. They're going to lose the Senate. And at that moment, the Democrat Party is going to do a self-reevaluation. And this is, mark my words, it's going to happen. And they're going to get Gavin Newsom in. And Nancy Pelosi, even, you know, with her photos that have come out recently of her looking ridiculous. Um, But she's going to be the money bagger, you know, for for that campaign. She's going to be the bag lady? She's going to be the bag lady. (laughs) And it's going to be Gavin Newsom. uh, And he's going to to have to sell the Democrat Party. And um, with all the bailouts that they've received from the federal government. But that's what you're going to see. And they they already know that they're going to crash and burn, but they got as much as they could get. 
in the first two years of the mm-hmm. Biden administration. They did as much destruction as they possibly could in the Biden administration. And that's exactly what's happening right now. And the other one was this. Um, I said this. I was watching another, yet another black, uh, this black woman. And this uh, person, Barrington Martin, wrote this and said, okay, this black woman is just destroying the uh, bodega, right? Another black attacker. And all he said was white supremacy. So I got the point. You know, I got the point he was making, right? And here's here's a beautiful Hispanic woman. This was down. Um, this was an Hispanic woman that basically was getting her place destroyed by this fat, black, ugly person. Right. And uh, who basically didn't want to wait for her food. Yeah. You know? And she should have been on a diet, really. But here she's destroying the place. You know, it's mostly visual, so you can't really play it. But I said, are black liberals inspiring Hispanics to the conservative party to hold court as the Democrats number one bought and paid for voting block. Hispanics surely see black liberals and their Democrat racist party slave holders as what not to be associated with, but is it on purpose? And so my question is when I saw this, it had me thinking about it and I, I thought, in some way, this is happening too routinely. Yeah. That somehow black people are revolting because I always said this, I always said this, that black people are seeing their money coming out of their pocket, going to the Hispanics, the uh, new voting block that the liberals are trying to buy. See, the liberals are buying voting blocks. They're buying future voting blocks by grooming our children. They're buying LBGTQ, They're buying Black Lives Matter. They're organizing all of this so that they become these voting blocks that hate conservatives. And that's what they're doing in our country in order to win power. And these morons on the left are so stupid that they don't even know that they're being used like worker mules, like slaves on a plantation. It's incredibly stupid. And... Fortunately, the Hispanics didn't get the message. Yeah. They're like, what game are you playing here in America? Yeah. They they're not they're not even familiar with the rules. Yeah. And I think that what's happening is black people are tearing up the place. Now, if they're that's the case, right? And I'm not talking about all black people. I'm talking about black liberals. I'm talking about these black progressives that think that that that, that subscribe to the Marxist philosophy that somehow think that they're entitled. Like the bodega, the guy that wanted to strong-arm the bodega. And it's all about that Soros paid for DAs and everything else in between. It's about the woke corporations, you know, turning a blind eye to all this. And it's an attack on American values. And it's it's also, you know, every time you turn around and you see these kind of things, it's it's just a hot mess. <clears throat> and so you got to wonder, is this intentional, though? Because they're getting away with murder, literal murder. They're getting away with it in the streets. You know, they don't want to talk about Kenosha, Wisconsin. And, and now that they found out that the, uh, 
the 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 uh, killer in Highland Park was also um, an Antifa guy. Well, then they're this is they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk. They want to drop it like a lead balloon. Well, and that's part of what the media media does. I'm actually working on a review of a book that talks about that. And they as soon as the story doesn't meet their narrative, they go away from it, and because the Antifa thing is a black mark. Yeah. So uh, the the question I raise is kind of interesting because. You know, I said when black people stop being supportive of the Democrat Party is when they have to dig into their pocket and pay and their tax dollars actually go out to another group. It's sort of like the new shiny object or the, Mm -hmm. you know, you're the old quarterback and they they, uh, recruit a new quarterback on the team. And next thing you know, he's getting all the all the media attention. You know, it's it's like that in every sport. It's like that with men and women, you know. It's like, oh, he's a new new shiny object just walked in. There's the threat to my, you know, my my uh, security blanket, whatever it is, right? right? You know, and it's like, oh, this little new hot shot is taking up all the media attention, right? And so the the the, the black liberals are like, hey, we were the ones, we were the ones that were getting the, uh, on the beneficial side mm-hmm. of redistribution of wealth. Yeah. And now it's the Hispanics that are getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're not even citizens. Yeah. And in fact, you know, that's the other thing, too, is in New York, there are non-citizens that, that are, are able to vote. Yeah, we were talking about that the other day. And, and you know, there's things happening where, um, you know, I think, I think it was in Arizona where at the same time that, you know, we were allowing people to cross the border, we're also not uh, prosecuting people that are citizen, non-citizens that are voting. So we're just letting all the floodgates open. Yeah. Yeah. It's I crazy. Yeah. So I have a bunch of uh, different uh, tweets that I wanted to go through. And I wanted to play, yesterday I was playing a series of clips. And I ran out of time because uh, uh, we had a we had a guest interview, Captain Kevin Smith. You met him. Oh, yes. Yeah. And um, in any case, this is the clip I wanted to play. Uh, and uh, I didn't have time to play this one. And I de- desperately wanted to share it with the audience. Again, this is about... You know, what we're seeing with the with the food shortage, yeah. you know. And again, this is all by design. Um, shorting our food, shorting our energy, um, all in the name of climate. And NASA has come out now and revealed that for 60 years they've known that the climate is cyclical. Yeah. For 60 years they allowed the climate change it, it, people to push this narrative that was completely, they, they know it to be completely untrue. NASA scientists allowed this to happen for 60 years. Yeah. Now, what are they using climate for? They're using it for the green card. Yeah. And then they're using the COVID vaccine card. And, you know, again, we're going to listen to uh, a woman that uh, I, I can't believe I didn't know her name. Um, but uh, this woman, um, Rosa Corey, she, she's deceased now. Mm-hmm. She, she died a few couple of years ago. But she was a liberal that turned conservative. She's from California, and we're going to play a few clips from her predicting everything that we're seeing right now. It's Agenda 21 stuff, and I guarantee you Paul Preston knows everything about well, it. I'm sure he does. Yeah, um, but it was a little bit novel, new to me. Um, but in any case, we're going to start off with this particular clip. All right. So, uh, here we go. Um, boom. 
Well, the Netherlands House of Representatives has released a statement which said, quote, The honest message is that not all farmers will continue in business. Those who do will have to farm differently. Wow. Just think about that. But everyday hard-working Dutch family farmers and others are now involved in massive and growing protests, hardly surprising, with tractor blockades, manure being dumped on uh, government buildings or places, and there are accusations of the Dutch secret police infiltrating the protesters, the same playbook used uh, by Trudeau, Trudeau, allegedly. What a coincidence. And overnight there are even accusations of shots being fired. This, by the way, is what happens... When your national government gets penetrated by globalist activists from the World Economic Forum. Oh, does that sound like a conspiracy theory? Yes, it does. But alas, it's not me saying it. It's dear old Klaus Schwab back in 2017 fessing up to what the World Economic Forum is really up to. When I mention our names like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Pres- of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, rece- at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I we know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet, are for are actually young global leaders of the World Economic right. Forum. Young global leaders from the World Economic Forum are being groomed to run yeah. for cabinet mm-hmm. positions yeah. in countries. That's what's happening. Yep. And this guy Klaus Schwab, two words come to mind: scum and then bag. Right, this guy is a total scumbag, and anybody who subscribes to Klaus Schwab mm-hmm. and the World Economic Forum is a globalist that is basically endorsing represent uh, taxation without representation. They are representing it. They're they're not elected officials, but they're acting like they are. And they're penetrating, like, they're basically George Steros, George Soros on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they are. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, what we would love to see with Donald Trump. See, what MAGAPAC and <clears throat> Amer- um, Bugle Call is, with regard to America First, is we see the need of a 100 Donald Trumps. We need a 100 Donald Trumps. It's not Donald Trump. That we need, we need a hundred people just like him. Mm-hmm. We need to actually have like a Donald Trump University. Yeah, um, Trump University. Hey, Trump University. I think it existed, but there were a few problems. No. It might need to rebrand. Uh, yeah. Okay. We'll call it something else. We'll call it, uh, you know, uh, MAGA University, right? America First University. But we, what we need is we need America First policies. And that would make the world great. And we can get that with four more years of Donald Trump from 24 to 28. And then we can get that with DeSantis with eight more years after that. And could you imagine what the court would look like, what America would look like, and what this 
total loser should be in jail, this, this Klaus Schwab guy, who's actively pursuing penetration of all of the governments to turn the world into a new world order and a globalist. And, and somehow Biden thinks that he has made it. Biden thinks he made it. So this Rosa Cora, Corey, K-O-I-R-E, explains Agenda 21, Agenda 2030. This was in 2013, so before the memorandums of a strategic partnership framework was signed in 2019 by the UN and Klaus Schwab. But let's take a listen. And globalization is the standardization of all systems. So that includes uh, water, law enforcement, uh, education, energy. All systems have to be brought into harmony in order to control them all. Because when systems don't meet, when they're, when they're out of balance or not in sync with one another, they can't be controlled centrally. And the goal of Agenda 21 is one world government and total control from a central unit. Here in Europe, um, it's openly spoken about, Local Agenda 21, and of course here in Denmark, uh, the Aalborg uh, Principles, uh, 2000, excuse me, 1994, and then Aalborg Plus 10, 2004, uh, was the uh, European Roundtable for uh, Local Agenda 21, was held here. And the principles are public-private partnerships, which is fascism. And this is how it's implemented. Uh, on the ground is through this joining together between corporations, non-governmental uh, organizations, and governments in order to cut out the you know the actual individual, your voter, and instead to take that to a level where we literally cannot penetrate. And this is the goal. So this is already far progressed in Europe. The three pillars of United Nations Agenda 21 are economy, ecology, and equity, the three E's, the social equity. And everyone sort of thinks that they know what that means, the idea of social equity. It must mean that, well, everyone's going to have access to clean water and clean air, and uh, no one's property is going to be used as a dumping ground because they are at a poverty level. But really what social equity is about is about impoverishing huge portions of the population and bringing down uh, the developed nations. How does that make you feel? Warm and fuzzy? Not really. Yeah, it's it's scary. It's scary. It's a scary thought. And we're going to take a le- le- another listen to this other clip I have. The three pillars of United Nations Agenda 21 yep, are economy, E's. ecology, and equity. The three E's. And everyone sort of thinks that they know what that means. But really what social equity is about is about impoverishing huge portions of the population and bringing down uh, the developed nations. Everything that we're looking at now is destined to collapse our economies. It's a totalitarian state being developed right now all over the world. And what major corporations want in this development is to be able to uh, to have move, full movement of, of, uh, of workers without borders or boundaries, to be able to move their goods through without regulations, and to reduce wages. These are the three circles, economy, ecology, and social equity, and where they meet in the center, 
is balance. But really that balance is a communitarian balance. So it's not balance of well-being of the people. What it is is it's a balance for corporations so that they can exploit and control and have populations in an area, in tightly packed, dense areas, so that they can be surveilled and managed. And this is what that balance looks like as far as the development of a totalitarian state is. The mainstream media is owned by five major corporations, and you're not going to get this information from the mainstream press. So you need to be your own press. You need to educate yourself. You need to get out there and educate your neighbors, your community, your real community. You need to help your children understand that they're being indoctrinated from pre-kindergarten to postgraduate school. All of us have a responsibility to ourselves and to others. This is true community, to work for personal freedom. It's essential as, as, as free human beings, this is what we are. We are free and we need to continue to be free. And I do believe that we will win, but we have to become aware that there is a fight and then make our friends and our neighbors and our community aware as well and work together. Rest in peace, Rosa Corey. Um, yeah. But let me just say that I've been saying this for forever, forever. This is a, we're in the middle of a world war. Yeah. And, you know, what she, I, I never even heard of this woman, actually, until yesterday. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's sad. I know that many of our listeners probably know this woman very well. It's just, you know, you can't know all things. And uh, I guarantee you, and I haven't spoken with Paul recently, Oh, I have actually recently, but before this, I guarantee you when I bring this up to bring this woman up to him, he's going to be like, oh, I know her very well, you know. But um, in any case, um, we are in a war. But see, here's the problem. They're they're constructing this in a way to where you're you're going to not have a vote. Like I said, the globalist agenda is going to be that you're going to vote for your congressman. They're going to be powerless because they're going to have to answer to the U.N. or the yeah. NATO or the European Union or whatever. And the new world order is going to be, you know, BRICS is going to be one entity and and then NATO is going to be another. You know, the North Atlantic, it's going to be the um, uh, America U- Union, uh, the North Ad- and the European Union are going to combine and it's going to be a bunch of globalists that are going to reconstruct the, the world order. And your politician is going to be completely powerless. Yeah. And uh, it's not going to, they're not going to have any say because there are going to be so many fundamental rules and regulations on a global level that, that in order for them to get anything done, they would have to actually impress upon the global order uh, for approval that's one of the problems and the other problem is they have a blueprint they have a blueprint of a waging war and it's going against you the taxpayer the people that are actually financing the governments that are endorsing these beliefs and the media and you're buying their products and things like that and we talk about BlackRock all the time. We talk about Vanguard. We talk about how it's impossible to actually wage a boycott. And these corporations are fearless. And the reason why is because the profit is going to a guy like, like Larry Fink, for example. For an example. Not, mm-hmm. not just him. But he's the head of BlackRock. Larry Fink is going to profit whether you buy Pepsi or you buy Coke. Yeah. 
It does not matter because he owns both. So it doesn't matter whether Pepsi does the right thing or Coke does the right thing. And the, the reason why you see this callous, this corporate takeover of your life and this endorsement of wokeism is because they're trying to destroy your country. Yeah. And it's the corporations that are going to do us in. And it's the corporations that are going to be at the table when the globalists win. Yeah. And the globalists don't have to win. And like Rosa Cora said, they don't have to win. There are how many billions of people in the world right now? How many billions of people? 1.5 billion people in China. Do you think Xi could beat them all up? Do you think Xi's army can? Do you think that India, 1.5 billion people in India? Do you think that Modi can actually run all of those people? You know, you can go to smaller countries. You know, we have 335 million people in the United States. If we rise up together, we can take back our freedom. What, did, what was it uh, said by May, Mel, Mel Gibson um, in Braveheart and uh, freedom? You know, yeah. we're fighting for freedom. We're fighting for freedom, absolutely. And it's an inalienable right. It's a God-given right that we were blessed and born with. But they, and that's why and we they, need conservative not, organizations to stand up for it. That's right. Because the liberals are too ready to, to give up their freedom. Now we have a Tucker clip, and this Tucker clip I wanted to play yesterday as well. He had a great clip about the, the uh, uh, Jose Alba uh, clerk and how you're not allowed to defend yourself anymore. And that the that's exactly what the globalists want. They want to do, you know, sort of like, um, I always tell this story because it's vivid, um, but the uh, Assad uh, kingdom in, in Syria, you know, they took over Syria as a kingdom in the 1970s. They, they forged a relationship with Russia. And all the shenanigans that were going on in Syria and Russia were to, to the benefit of people like Lindsey Graham. Mm-hmm. And when Trump came along and pulled all of our troops out and shut that whole business down, because it was a business, it wasn't a war. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a perpetuating thing to sell arms and to make people rich in the region. Oil was being paid for human trafficking, was being paid for drug smuggling, was being paid for for uh, American uh, USA dollars. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it crystallized in the dollars. And the, the, the four currencies on the markets, you know, are always going to be drugs, humans, oil, and arms weapons. And so long as you have perpetual wars... In all these different countries, you're going to have investors like Mitt Romney and his sidekicks like Kofor Black investing in wars like Afghanistan and the ones in Syria. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. We're going to listen to what the globalists are up to in America right here through Tucker Carlson's voice. We are rich because we are rich in natural resources. That's why we won the Second World War, for example. When previous generations said, as they often did, that God has blessed our country, this is what they were talking about. Yet suddenly, strangely, the United States is suddenly experiencing shortages of both food and energy. And that's why prices of these things have risen, because we don't have enough of them. How did that happen? You should know if you care about the future of America, your children's future, you need to know how this happened. Well, Joe Biden offered his explanation of how it happened today at an event in Ohio. Watch. 
We made incredible progress on, the, uh, progress on the economy from where we were a year and a half ago. We got a long way to go because of inflation, because of the, I call it, the Putin tax increase. Putin because of gasoline and all that grain he's keeping from being able to get to the market. It's just embarrassing. It's grotesque, actually. And at this point, it's dangerous. And no one believes a word of it because it's provably untrue. And we feel, since this is a news network, a moral responsibility to prove that it's untrue. So here we go. Months before the war in Ukraine began and somehow Vladimir Putin secretly seized control of gas prices in the United States. How did he do that? Before any of that happened, the magic happened. Sober people, a petroleum analysis firm called GasBuddy, decided to do a simple calculation. They wanted to put rising gas prices in context. Here's what they did. Math. They determined every year-over-year year price change in gasoline prices in the United States going back to 2002, 20 years. And they found this. From November of 2020 to November of 2021, that would be roughly from Election Day to the end of Joe Biden's first year running the country, gas prices in the United States went up by more than 66%. That was the single highest year-over-year -year increase since 2002, which happens to be the year that government started tracking those data. Now, this happened before Russia invaded Ukraine. Why did it happen? Super simple. Joe Biden, on the campaign trail, told us he was like Superman. And then he proceeded to jump off the garage. He told us he was going to end fossil fuels. And because no one took him seriously because he's senile and wasn't actually going to win, no one followed up with, what are you, insane? How are you going to do that? And so he kept going. And then he became president somehow. And then he followed through on that promise. He canceled pipelines. He terminated oil and gas leases. He rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement without explaining why we should. And by the way, if the climate is such a crisis, an existential crisis, and China and India are using more fossil fuels than they did 10 years ago, and nobody says anything about it, maybe they're not really sincere about this global warming thing. And then on top of all of that, Joe Biden pumped trillions more dollars into the U.S. economy, thereby devaluing the U.S. dollar, making everything, including energy, more expensive. You know what happened. That's all true. And it was done on purpose. It was done to change our energy supply from what is cheap, efficient and the source of all of our wealth to something that Biden and his donors control, the green economy that will make us poor and that is, in fact, causing famine around the world right now. So that's what happened. As a political matter, since this is still sort of a democracy, it happened way too fast and scared the hell out of people. And polls showed that Democrats and Republicans, no matter who they voted for, were worried above all about rising energy prices because it hurt them directly every single day. And by the time Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine, the Biden administration had found a scapegoat. Maybe that's why they encouraged him to do it in the first place, which they did. So Joe Biden started yelling, it's Putin's price hike. Putin did it. But it's so dumb. It's so provably untrue that no one believed it. Even people who wanted to believe it, people who voted for Biden, who want windmills and solar farms, they couldn't believe it because it's absurd. And in an election year, that's a huge problem. So the administration had to do something. That's why in late March, in an act of desperation, Biden did maybe the worst thing that he has done since becoming president. And that's saying a lot. He started to sell off one of this country's most important natural resources, one of our most valuable assets. It's called the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, the SPR. It's controlled by the Department of Energy. So what Biden could have done is produce more oil domestically. But that would have been too easy and too good for the United States and its long-term interests. Instead, he decided to do something so crazy and so dangerous 
that only someone who was intentionally trying to harm the United States would even consider it. But most people never even noticed. Here was his announcement in case you missed it. Today, I want to talk about one aspect of Putin's war that affects and has real effects on American people. Putin's price hike that Americans and our allies are feeling at the pump. I know how much it hurts. Our prices are rising because of Putin's action. There isn't enough supply. And the bottom line is, if we want lower gas prices, we need to have more oil supply right now. Today, I'm authorizing the release of one million barrels per day for the next six months, over 180 million barrels for the strategic, from, the, from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. This is a wartime bridge to increase oil supply until production ramps up later this year. And it is by far the largest release of our, net, of our national reserve in our history. So you watch that and you realize really the whole point of the Joe Biden presidency is to humiliate the rest of us and think less of our own country, the place where we were born. You can just imagine Barack Obama and Susan Rice and Ron Klain, people who truly dislike the United States as currently constituted, saying, let's make this guy president. That'll grind it in their face, a guy who can barely talk. So it's hard to hear anything Joe Biden says because it's hard for him to say anything. But if you listen carefully or read a transcript, you will learn what he just said, is that we're releasing a million barrels per day for a total of more than 180 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which is held in caverns in a couple of states. How much is that? It's a staggering figure. So let's put it in context. The reserve can hold more than 700 million barrels total, but it didn't have that because Congress, by the way, as you haven't been paying attention, has been selling off our Strategic Petroleum Reserve to pay off debt. So by the time Joe Biden arrived, there was far less than that. There was about 568 million barrels of oil in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Now, no president in American history has ordered a drawdown this large. In 1991, at the beginning of Operation Desert Storm, which was an actual war with real American soldiers involved, the U.S. government released 17 million barrels of oil as a way of assuring a stable supply of global crude. The U.S. released just 20 million barrels after Hurricane Katrina destroyed parts of the Gulf Coast where so many refineries are. But now we're releasing many times that figure from the reserve, all to protect the Democratic Party from getting what it deserves in the midterm elections in November. And as a result of that unbelievably reckless, in fact, criminal decision, our strategic oil reserves are now at their lowest level in nearly 40 years, and they are dropping fast. Again, none of this needed to happen. There was no reason to tap our strategic petroleum reserve when we could produce the energy here. And we're, in fact, producing it until Joe Biden took office. So when you think about that, what do you think the Democrats are doing? Yeah. The Democrats are basically saying, okay, it's sort of like, say you're a husband and wife. And say the husband was doing some drugs, became a drug addict and had a drug dependency issue uh -huh. um, where next thing you know, they're spending money and he doesn't, he can't explain it. Yeah. So he's got to go into the bank, you know, and dig out the money to buy the drugs to do whatever. Right. Right. This is just a hypothetical. Right. But instead of doing that, because he knows that the wife would stop. Him, right. Right. Like, what are you doing? You need to get some help. Right. Right. He goes into the the children's education fund. Yeah. 
and he bails out. And so then the wife never never notices that there's money going out of the account. Because right. It's not going out of that account. It's going out of the escrow account for the child's education fund. Right. Next thing you know, you wake up one day and you don't have an edu- you don't have an emergency fund. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that happens. And that's what's going on here. The Democrats are pissing away so much money with all of these things that we can't afford. And nobody's working. There's no GDP. The tax base is probably lower as a result of a lower GDP. uh, As a result of a lower labor participation rate. There's not as much tax dollars coming in. There's spending going out, all in the name of what? What was it? COVID. Yeah, and, well, I, want, and, I want to interject with a, with a quote I like that I've been I've heard for over probably over forty years. When you compare Democrats and Republicans, <clears throat> the difference is that Democrats think about how are we going to spend and share the golden eggs. The Republicans think about the health of the goose. And that's what it basically comes down to is, right. you know, you can't just keep spending and spending. And right. a lot of what Biden is doing right now, he's trying to uh, position it as an investment. Well, it is spending without any play- way to pay for it. When we got off the gold standard, yeah, we needed responsible leadership in order to make that work right. Yeah. Because the gold standard was in- inflexible, it was rigid. Yeah. And when we got off the gold standard, basically... We needed to be rigid ourselves, but have that little extra flexibility in order to, uh, you know, um, benefit from getting off the gold standard and making the dollar the universal language for money in the world economy. And uh, I think there was a lot of good intentions there, but then, you know, you get irresponsible leadership that basically finds the loophole in everything, and this misuse of the strategic petroleum re, re, uh, re, resource mm-hmm. uh, is is basically kill, is, is going it, to it's allowing us to sell oil that we didn't buy. Right. It's liquidating our money even more. Right. So we're selling this oil. We're getting cash in. <clears throat> we're then in a political year, basically trying to sell the idea that hey, we're doing okay economically. Yeah. But we're really just passing along. We're paying one credit card with another, right? Right. <clears throat> but the debt is getting worse. Yeah. And that's what's, that's what's really happening. Let's, let's continue with this real quick. But at the same time, you have to be honest, su- principles of supply and demand would suggest that this would work in the short term. Releasing all this oil should have lowered gas prices until the reserve ran out, which it will. So you inject more petroleum into the market and prices for gas should drop. But here's the amazing thing. That's not happening. Since- oh, and by the way, the reason why that's not happening, the reason why the prices aren't, because of speculation. Yeah. The reason why prices aren't really going as low as they should, like the price of uh, the barrel is lower, but the reason why the price at the pump, it's not corporate greed. It's not oil money, not, not uh, gas station greed. They're, they they make more profit off of selling a candy bar than they ever do yeah. off of a gallon of yeah. gas. Yeah. It's not that. It's because the speculators in the market know exactly what's right. going on. They see that we're, the only reason why uh, oil uh, is plentiful is because we're going into our nest egg, our, our strategic reserve. And this is the problem, is the speculators are saying, we're 
the future is not not looking good. So therefore, we have to just like a sports legend, right? A sports hero has a ten year shelf life on the courts or on the field, right? Ten year shelf life. They got to maximize their profits mm-hmm. while they're in business. Otherwise, they, they and prepare for their retirement. It's the same concept. And uh, speculators speculating in markets are speculating on what the future looks like. And that's why the prices aren't going down. You can't trick capitalism. Capitalism is the purest form of truth that there is. Since Joe Biden started releasing all this oil from our reserves, which he does not own, you do, we do, what has happened to gas prices? They haven't dropped. They've kept going up. Huh? In mid-June, the price of both regular unleaded and diesel, critically, hit all-time highs, well over five bucks a gallon nationally. How could this be? It really was a mystery. It violated the most basic rules of economics. But now, thanks to a new report in Reuters, we know why. It turns out the oil being released isn't for us. It's going to India and China. According to Reuters, and we're quoting, more than 5 million barrels of oil that were part of a historic U.S. emergency reserve release to lower domestic fuel prices were exported to Europe and Asia last month. The piece continues, quote, cargo of SPR crude, oil from our reserves, were also headed to the Netherlands into a Reliance refinery in India, an industry source said. A third cargo, buckle your seatbelt, headed to China. To China. That's disturbing. Very, very disturbing. We're, we're, <laughs> we're in a war footing with China, and this is what Biden's crime family is doing well. That's exactly how you describe them, Biden's crime family. Speaking of crime, well, families, because they, they they have to give to China, otherwise China is going to release the document. By the way, I just saw footage of uh, Hunter. He gained he gained a lot of weight. Really, I haven't I haven't yeah. seen that. But you know, as a sp- pivoting didn't fit into a suit. Pivoting and speaking of crime families, yes. uh, we have to mention uh, James Khan who became famous, although he had done some roles beforehand, for playing Sonny in The Godfather, passed away at 82. Oh, that's a bummer. So, uh, yeah, so so the world is mourning his uh, absence. He was a leading man who was not like any other leading man. He had a, there was something about him that was very unique. So, he, you know, he will he will be missed. He was great in Rollerball, rollerball but he was also great in The Godfather is Sonny. Everybody loves The Godfather, right? Yeah, that's very true. Everybody loves The Godfather. Yeah. Well, anyway, that brings us to the end of The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to The Scott Adams Show. And um, with that, my name is Scott Adams. My name is Leonora Cravota. And we'll see you all next time on the radio. Be sure to check out MyPillow.com and use Red State as your promo code for that. And be sure to check out MagaPack.org and BugleCall. To find out how we're advancing the ball on America First policies to make America great again. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye bye, everybody. I'm from a small town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in DC, but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper Just to bury my kids right up to there